worshiping him. He's worthy to be praised. Oh, hallelujah. We serve an awesome God. Let us turn to prayer. Lord, we just thank you, God, just for who you are. We worship you. We bless your holy name. Father, we pray, Lord, at this time, truly, O oh God, may we hear a word from you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you speak, Lord, through this, Lord, your servant, that we might see Jesus and we might see the fruit of your word in our lives, we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Those who have your Bibles, you can again open up, amen, uh, to our, was our morning scripture reading, Galatians, our 10th chapter, amen. Uh, those who may have a, the, the Bible version app on your phone, you can uh, find us right there and the sermon notes information right there. You're welcome to join us, amen. Uh, we'll read the word one more time. Those who are able to stand on and read God's word, you're welcome uh, to do so. Uh, finding in ourselves the Galatians, that first chapter. I uh, want to lift up just a few verses again from these verses that we're going to look at again, uh, the verses uh, of 11 to 24. I'm also going to add in uh, verse 10 uh, we did not have uh, in our morning reading, kind to pick up where we left off last week and see how it ties in together on this morning. Uh, Galatians, first chapter, looking at the verses 10 to verse 24, I'll be reading from the New Living uh, Translation, and to lift up verse 10 to verse, uh, verse 14 for us. It says here, Obviously, I am not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere hum- human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my answer. I'm going to stop right there as you take your seat. Help me announce the sermon to your neighbor. Tell them, amazed by God's grace. Amen. Amen. Make sure nobody else feels left out. Tell your other neighbor, tell them, amazed by God's grace. I want you to grab at this text here at the opening. He says that I, 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 I'm not trying to please man. I'm here to please God. And what I'm speaking of is on God's authority, not my authority. But if it was based on human reasoning and source, there was no better than I. He says, I was the most zealous of all the Jews. I knew the law. I understood the law. I kept the law. I did all these things. Here we want to look in about what is Paul talking about. Paul is right here in his letter, sort of the biographical aspect of this letter. And it's not in here at verse 24. It continues on into chapter 2 that he's given a more biographical account of who he is. Those who don't understand in the letter that oftentimes in, in this culture, in the near ancient Greco-Roman world area, when they wrote a letter and they introduced themselves to people, he says, you have not met me. So he says, let me introduce myself. And so he's giving a biographical account so they can understand who he is and how he's coming to them, that he says that 
I am not just an apostle, but I am an apostle of the capital A. How is the apostle of the capital A? He says, I was taught by Jesus. I, I wasn't just taught by somebody else, but I was taught by Jesus himself. The resurrected living Savior Christ taught me. So I stand in proper authority. So here it is. He is given the bi- his biography. What if you wrote your biography? What would it look like? Would you be able to tell all the stories? You know, some people can't tell the legend because, you know, there's some stuff that you don't want people to know about. You, you want to know all the successes. You're not going to let them know that there were some times that I, I given up. Everybody else gave up on me, but we want to give the success. But, you know, so Paul's letting them know that there's a time in my life uh, that I'm not pleased with now as I look back. As I look back, I realize I was persecuting God's church and killing his people thinking I was doing right. But he was living wrong. Paul is pointing out that he knows the grace of God. You know what God's grace is. His grace is his unmerited favor towards us. His grace is a gift that he gives to you that you do not deserve. His grace is basically giving you a the winning. I said the winning lottery ticket every time there's a lottery. I said every time. Not hit and miss. But every time, what does that mean? That means that you can cash in on that ticket every time, no matter how bad your luck is. Now, you've seen some of those lottery commercials, right, that you got the last pink cupcake, you got the, the express elevator, you know, all these things. Maybe you ought to try your luck today. Here, I want to point out to you that God's in the blessing business every day. Regardless about how good your day is or how bad your day is, God is still God. Am I talking to somebody here this morning that understands that there's been some good days and, and there's been some bad days, there's been some ups and there have been some downs. But through it all, you found out one thing has not changed regardless whether the sun was shining or it was not. God is still God. I got a few people that are now with me. Uh, let just, if you could just indulge me for a little bit, if you could just, just lift up your hand. Everybody could just lift up their hands. That's a sign that God is still in this place. (laughs) The fact that you are alive and you have activities in your limbs point out that God is still in this place. That's his grace. His gospel, this gospel message is, is, is swelling with grace. Paul's pointing out that, dear brother and sister, I want you to understand the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human message. Pointing out that man can't make up grace. That's a God thing. Man cannot make up grace. That's a God thing. Think about how grace enters into a relationship. Many times, here we are in a relationship. This is how we oftentimes we are. We are either critical or we are either aggressive. And then sometimes we, are, we compliment and sometimes we discourage. But yet, here's the problem, that we are either or, there's no grace. Here, here, here's where the grace does not come in. You want dinner ready when you come home from work. Dinner is not ready, so you don't ask, how was your day? Is there a stress going on? How come dinner's not ready? You know I worked all day. Where is the grace? Your child brings home the report card. You look at it, you see all the A's, you see all the B's, but you see that one D. You don't look at the A's and the B's no more. You look at the D. How come you got a D in this class? Are you not doing the work? Where's the grace? You see here, we are prone to be 
judgmental right away, while God is full of grace. Check this out. That he did not send the son to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. Tell your neighbor, that's God's grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believers are not perish, but have everlasting life. That's God's grace, because you deserve judgment, you deserve death, but his grace stepped in and gave you a gift you do not deserve, and gave you life. Oh, praise God for his grace. So Paul is pointing out that I understand this message I preach has to come from God. It's not just somebody made this up. This is the grace of God, and how do I know the grace of God? He says, I have personal experience. Look who I was. I, I, I was. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal. And I kept all the traditions. Still, in this letter, he has not gotten to specifically why he's writing and, uh, and is alarmed why they're leaving the gospel. But yet, as we read into this letter, and those who may go ahead and read ahead, you find out that they're talking about how they must keep the Jewish traditions and the dietary laws and be circumcised in order for them to be saved. And Paul's letting them know that I've kept all these things, but that's not what made me saved. He's letting them know that I I understood how to keep the law, understood how to be obedient to the law. Matter of fact, I killed those who did not follow the law, but yet on the road to Damascus, I found God's grace. Amazing grace is what God is doing. Look what God is doing. Look at verse 15. Y'all see that there in the text? But even before I was born, God chose me. And called me by his marvelous grace. Y'all see, grace was still moving even before he was born. Can somebody look over their life and realize that even before you were born, it was God's grace moving in your life. (laughs) Even before you knew him, mm, he already knew you. Mm. Even before you even knew your own name, (laughs) God knew your name. Even before you understood who your mother and your father were, God was already your father. (laughs) Even before you knew how to provide for yourself, God was making provisions for you. Oh, glory be to God. This is another thing to see when we look about his amazing grace. We see how big our God is that even before the foundations of the earth, he knew us. Think about how we are shocked on stuff we see on TV. Check this out, check this out. That's been invented long before we see the commercial. We're like, wow, that is new. I got to go get that. And we get shocked by this stuff. Now, check this out. God knew you before the earth had any form. And that is so big, we really cannot understand how big that really is. We just accept it and say, man, that's a big God. (laughs) And so when we know that, man, that's a big God, let let us accept his amazing grace. Look what his grace is doing, that God chose Paul before Paul chose God. This was the will of God to choose him. Y'all see that there in verse 15, that it pleased God to choose him. Now, let's look here. God was pleased to choose Paul, who was persecuting the church, who was 
there when Stephen was stoned, it says that he collected the coats so they could be free. You know, they said, hey, let me, y'all, y'all can't throw stones hard enough. Let me hold your coats uh, so y'all can throw them harder. So he says he was holding the coats uh, as they were stoning Stephen. Now, he was there dragging people out of the synagogue and ready to kill them and put them in prison. The church was booming and growing. Paul was trying to kill it and destroy it. And yet, God has already chosen him, but yet Paul did not know it yet. Mm, mm. Anybody here realize that God chose you, but you didn't know it yet? Think about how God can use your character. Here's our characteristics. There's some people out there that we look at and, and, and we are pondering and just like, wow, what a great mind they have on them. And this mind of them, right, they might be an engineer, they might be a, a manager, they might be doing some great things, right? But do you understand that there might be a child out on the streets doing who knows what illicitly, but also has a great mind on them? That they, they know administration, they know how to count, <laughs> they know how to lead and put people in place, but yet they're not doing it for the Lord. And here's the problem. That oftentimes we criticize and we push them away. It says, you know what? God can use you. <laughs> Instead, we criticize and push them away and say, I'm scared of you. Stay away. Now, realizing that you don't understand that there was a time in your life that you were far from God as well. But yet God called you in and took your characteristics and used it for good. So here it is. Paul was far away from God and doing everything against God. But God realized that I've given you these qualities. You don't know it yet, but you're going to find out that you're going to be good and I'm going to use you for my glory. Here's here's another thing to help us understand how God can use anybody. Uh, This always arrests me when I read, read this in the text that it says that God's friend, Nebuchadnezzar, his servant, all right. Now, if you don't know who Nebuchadnezzar is, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple, <laughs> took the Jews in captivity, and took everything that was in the temple and brought it into his treasury. And God says, this is my servant. Uh, all right, God, I'll stress. I said, I thought Moses was your servant. I thought Abraham was your servant. You know, these people know you, but Nebuchadnezzar does not know you. And you, God said, this is my servant. This is when I woke up, that God can use anybody. And so God can use anybody to get his will done. Wouldn't you rather be in his will than against his will? Mm. Some of you say, I, I don't grab this Nebuchadnezzar story. I still don't believe what you're saying. Okay, well, let's talk about some people you might know that were with God. Joseph. Joseph was with God. It says God was with Joseph even all the time through prison. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. And he had every right to get revenge on them. But Joseph says, the text tells us in Genesis, that Joseph found prosperity while he was in Egypt. And so, therefore, he rightly named his children because God had favor with him. And then when the finally time he comes amongst his brothers, their brother's father passed away. There's no longer authority over them. He says, please don't have revenge on us. Upon our father, he says, y'all tripping. Don't worry about it. What y'all meant for evil, God meant for good. Y'all see, that's God's grace. There's times in our lives that people want to hurt you. People want to misuse you. They want to take advantage of your characteristics, take advantage of your abilities, but find this out that they can't go against God's will. Sometimes those things are just working out the line to find out that all this is putting you in the position that God wants you to be in. Because if Saul was not persecuting the church, he would not have found God on Damascus. Y'all quiet on me. 
you understand that he had to be in that position in order for God to use him. If Moses did not kill the Egyptian, he, God would not have found him with a burning bush in the wilderness. See, we could look back on things and say, wow, that's how it all worked out. You could look back over your life and realize, oh, that had to be God that stepped in my life at this moment and at this time and called me to come closer to him. Just look over your life right now and just see, man, that's his grace. God, that's what God was doing in my life. He let me grow up in this neighborhood, go to this school, make these friends, have these problems, just for him to show his grace. And here's this. This is what grace does. Grace qualifies you. Paul's letting them know that uh, my work is not what made me great. No, 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 no. It was his grace. Do you understand? Do you understand that many people will, will brag about the qualifications uh, if you ever go with me to a, a pastor's conventions and programs and they introduce somebody, sometimes you might stand up all day for their list before they say the whole alphabet before their name and after their name. <laughs> so that you can get their qualification. Here comes the reverend, doctor, bishop, pope, whatever. MD, THD, PhD, MA, BA, SA, whatever A. Just to let you know their credentials, say, I'm qualified to speak on this topic matter. Here it is. Paul says that uh, my work did not qualify me. He said it was Christ who qualified me. And since Christ qualified me, I have the authority to speak what he's given to me. Here I'm going to let you know that there's some people that might criticize you because they don't think you have the qualifications. But let them know, let them know, let them know. Tell them, say, Samuel Thomas Duran said this and wants you to know that God called me, not you. And since God called me, I got to do what he's called me to do. I I want you to understand that when God calls you to do something, there's a a propelling, there's a push that makes you want to do some things that might be contrary to somebody else, but you have no choice but to do so. Anybody remember Jeremiah said it's like fire? Shut up in my bone. But you understand, this is when he was locked up. <laughs> this is when he was beaten down. This is when people turn against him and says, well, we don't want to hear what you got to say. He says, they don't want to hear it, God. I don't want to preach it. But when I don't want to preach it, I got no choice but to preach it because it's like fire. Shut up in my bone. I want you to understand that there's times when people want to push against what God has given, but it's only going to make you stronger. So here's the challenge that we realize that since it's by his grace, that it's not by my works, that the challenge is to stop trying to work to please God. God's grace shows us his awesome love. There's a great example of how we can look at this love. Oftentimes, a father, right, will will coach his son's baseball team. And his son is going to play for his father. And sometimes I heard these two options that it says there's two options when the son plays for the father. The son is really good or the son is no good. <laughs> and that's the only way the father can coach. If he's no good, the, guy, the father can coach him. Remember, I know he's not going to take their plan. But if he's good, they know that he's on the field because he's good. But yet the, the son is playing for the father. And now check this out. The son already knows the father loves him. So the son is not trying to hit the ball to make the father love him. No, the son is now trying to hit the ball to please his father because he already has the father's love. 
And since he already has the father's love, then he understands that if I do strike out, it's not going to change my father's love, but I'm going to work that much harder the next time I come up to bat. Here I want you to understand that God's grace upon you does not change because of your circumstances. He already loves you. He just wants you to keep on pushing and keep on doing what he's got you to do. And understand, it's his grace that's put you in that position, not your work. So if it's not your work, you don't have to work to keep it. You just got to stay in his grace. And so when we stay in his grace, we stay in submission. We stay in humility. We understand that I'm not pleasing man, but I am pleasing God. So look what God's grace is doing. God's grace is moving in Paul's life. You understand, we see our grace in our past. We see it in our present. We see it in our future. God's grace was in Paul to reveal Jesus Christ to others. See that in verse 16. To reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. All glory be to God. I want you to grab this real close about God's grace. God's grace, God's grace in our lives is not for us to brag about. But it's just for us to sit back and let God do the bragging for us. You notice here, right here in this text, here's a a good point for many of us who have aspirations that want to go out and be leaders. It says that he did not rush out. God knocked him off his beast on the road to Damascus, and he spoke to him, and, and he was blinded, and he fasted, and he prayed. He just sat there. Now, check this out. It was, Paul did not know what he was about to do. God told his calling to somebody else. It was him that came and says, Paul, you have been called to be a, an apostle to the Gentiles. Here, here, here's this one. Throw this one in there for free for you. Oftentimes, people might know you're calling before you know. Y'all quiet, that's all right. But yet, they will only affirm what God has already put in you. And so once Paul got his instructions, he didn't just say, oh, great, let me go run and do it. No, he said, it says that right there in the Galatians. Y'all see that, right? Three years. We want stuff immediately. We live in, a, in, a, in an instant gratification community. Think about all this stuff we want, right? You can pay online. Why wait online? Well, you can order it. It'll be brought to your house. Next day delivery. If you order at this time, it's free shipping. You get it tomorrow. Yes. We want all those things, right? Think about it. We got minute rice. We got TV dinners. How to make a dinner in 20 minutes, right? They saw all these things, how you can do it quick. And yet, God has called Paul to ministry, and he says, you got to wait. Here's, here's another thing I throw this in. Check this out. You know, David was anointed king when he was young. He didn't become king till he was old. He went through his teenage years. He went through his, you know, went through his, his young, young days as a young man. He, you know, he went through puberty. You know, he, you know, basically, if he was modern day, he went, he went through grade school. He went through high school and junior high. He went to community college. He went to college. He went to, he went to graduate school again and again and again. And then finally, by the time he's ready to collect his pension, he decided to become king. But to point out that through all that time, David was in training. To become the king. 
I want you to grab here that God's grace is moving in your life and it's helping you and it's, and it's propelling you and pushing you to the position he wants you to be. So when the time comes, you're ready to do what God calls you to do. Are you amazed by God's grace? Can you look over your life and realize, man, it was his grace that brought me over. It was his grace that saw me through. It was his grace that qualified me. It was his grace that commissioned me. It was his grace that gave me the energy to move through. So when we see Paul recognizing his grace, he says this, that people that have not even seen of me, they heard of me. And they knew of my past. But they praise God for my present. I want you to grab this and take this home with you today. That there's some people that heard of you and they might know your past. But can they, can they praise God for your present? Mm, 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 mm. Tomorrow is not promised. And here at Zion, we, we, we roll caskets right here. And so when it comes a time that you're laying down here, what will they say about you? Will they speak about your past or will they speak about your present? <laughs> Somebody didn't catch that. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me give this to you before I lose somebody. Uh, Jesus says this, that I am the life and the resurrection. Those who believe me, though they may die, yet they shall live. What, I'm, what am I saying? I'm saying this, that even though your dead body is here in the grave, can they still speak about you in the present? Because to be absent from the body is to be, now you're with me. So will they speak about your past? Well, they say, well, so-and-so was a good-for-nothing. So-and-so was a deadbeat dad. So-and-so was unfaithful. So-and-so was ill. Well, they say that I've seen God in their life. I've I seen the change about them. I, I saw them be a loving husband, a, a loving wife, a, a good father. I saw them trying to be good. Now, check this out. Check this out. Then they can say, I know we can rejoice now. We don't have to be sorrowful because I know they're over in glory. So what's it saying? They're saying is that your grace in your life was able to show your Christ in your life. Paul says that Christ was in me, not for my sake, but for others to see him. Give you this quick story and I'm going to sit down. There was a little boy that used to go to church with his father and his mother. and They, they had a, a, a minister who was, who, was, who was short in stature, who was their pastor and an associate that was tall and and one day their pastor that was short was gone, and so he was not preaching. And so the other minister was there to preach. And the little boy was listening to the message as usual and was paying attention. But then after service was done, he he's talked to his dad. He said, Dad, uh, he said, he says, I, I, didn't, I didn't see Jesus today. And he says, what are you talking about? Well, the other minister was standing in front of Jesus. And so when the short stature preacher was preached, he could see Jesus. He didn't see the man. He saw Jesus. The man was not in the way. Here I want you to understand, there's sometimes in our lives that we realize that we get in the way. And people don't see Jesus. 
But when you are amazed by God's grace, you're going to realize that it's not by my might, it's not by my strength, but by God's grace that I am that I am. And you will understand that his grace will liberate you to operate in times that you don't care about me, that you don't care. You can talk about me. You can say I'm no good. You can say I'm not in the in crowd. You can say I don't dress well. You don't say I live in a nice neighborhood. You can say I don't speak with Ellen. But you can let them know that I'm not here for you because my vocabulary one day is going to improve. I'm going to stand in front of my God and I'm going to say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I won't need to know no other vocabularies because all I'm going to have to say is hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's going to be some times that you don't have to worry about my wardrobe. He's going to give me some new clothes and I won't have to change them again. Oh, glory be to God. You don't have to worry about my neighborhood because in my father's house, there's room with many masses. Oh, glory be to God. You don't have to worry about, can I afford the food? There's going to be a tree with the fruit of life. I'll be able to eat of that. And so when I think about God's grace, I see that it does not matter what other people say. I realize it's by his grace I am that I am. It's just by his grace I was blind, but now I see I was lost, but now I'm found. We find out it's by our grace that one day I was deeply sinking in sin, but I cried out to my despair, Lord, he's rescued me. He saved me. We realize it's by our grace. Uh, there's been some times I was down and out, but it was his grace that's brought me through. I'm so glad. Uh, good day now, Zion. But may the Lord bless you real good. But on your way home, uh, you ought to wave your hands. You ought to testify that it was God's grace uh, that brought me this far. It's by God's grace, I'm here today. And it's grace that's going to take me home. Mm. Hallelujah. Just think about this real quick. Think about how you're able to walk out of this place and able to go to your home. That's by his grace. Check this out. Check this out. Think about how you are in your house, not the house down the street that got broken into. That's by his grace. Check this out. Check this out. We were here on November that weekend when the tornado came. It's by God's grace. It was not on this side of the river. It wasn't because we were better than somebody else. That's his grace. What I want you to grab here is this, that, check this out. We were here so that we could serve them over there because we saw how much outpouring love came from Peoria that went over to Washington to help them rebuild their city. You see, God's grace happens in our lives, not for us to say, look how good we are, but so that we can show more of God's Christ in other people's lives. So here's a test for you. I want you to go home and I want you to look at something you have by God's grace and say, can I give this to somebody else? Mm. Y'all quiet, that's all right. You might say, you know what, I will write this check out for somebody because I want them to, to, to know that they can have this too. And check that, that's, that's grace because they don't deserve, you just give them a, a gift. Think about everything you have in your life you don't deserve, but God gave it to you. I'm trying to leave you alone, but I want somebody to grab this. You know, this, this is what you do deserve. The wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's why we get excited when we get to that but. Because we realize that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that's for us than he that is against us. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That I am more than a conqueror. Who can separate us from the love of God? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's a present help in the time of trouble. We understand that he is God. And that's by his grace. Father, we just surrender to you right now, oh God. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We realize, Lord, we don't deserve it, but you lavishly poured upon us. And so far, we are grateful for your grace and your mercy. And Father, we pray that your grace, hallelujah, we'll be able to show it to somebody else, that they might see the Christ in us. Oh, Father, use us. We thank you, God, that before we were formed and shaped, you've called us for your great will. And Father, we accept your call to be your children to be your servants, to be brothers and sisters in Christ, to show this awesome love of Christ to all that we meet. Oh, Father, help us to be better neighbors, be better citizens, better husbands, better wives, better fathers, better mothers, better brothers, better sisters. Help us, Lord, to be your servants and show your awesome grace. Let us not please man, but, Father, we pray that everything we do pleases you. In Jesus' great name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.